What's the effect of COVID-19 on the language industry? Coming up. Hello and welcome back to The Freelancers. The last 14 months at the time of recording have been fiercely under control by COVID-19. And while it's of course extremely tragic and uh, sad for the world what's happening right now, it also poses very interesting new discoveries in, and work in, in various different fields, uh, the language industry included. And that's exactly what I wanted to explore a bit in this week's video. You know, the WHO calls uh, what's happening right now a pandemic that's also uh, accompanied by something equally dangerous, which they call an infodemic. An infodemic they define as, I'm going to read this quickly, they define as uh, too much information, including false or misleading information in digital and physical environments during a disaster. And uh, that's definitely what's happening. This is really an interesting concept if you think about it. The WHO actually even offers uh, infodemic training on their website and it, it seems crazy that something like this is actually needed. Because you know, it seems like this issue concerns all of us equally, yet it's so uh, politicized that there is so much false information and misleading information out there that you need training to figure out which information is actually <laughs> valid. Anyways, from a language pers perspective, something like this, like a, hu a huge global uh, crisis is very interesting, right? Especially in the digital age, this is unprecedented. This has never been seen before. And of course, it therefore poses a lot of challenges as well. So imagine, think back to more or less one year ago right now, right? Uh, the, this thing came out and the world suddenly was looked completely different and, and so much information came out from mostly in English, right? From, from the US or just also from the EU, but mostly in English, so everyone can understand, which is sadly not the case. And then millions of translators around the world were tasked with bringing this information home to localize it, right? Me, me myself included. And when you think about that, that's a huge responsibility, right? You are literally together with, with media who are currently live reporting on it, you are forming language for the future to come because you are the first to actually translate this into your native language, right? We've never heard before of social distancing, for example. We've never heard of flattening the curve. And these are just two uh, specific examples that came up. There were so many of these uh, terms. And then even the source was rushed because people just needed to get this info out there. So later the WHO even came, came out and said, you know, the term social distancing is actually wrong. We need physical distancing. You should, uh, you can and you should still socialize. So it's not social distance, it's physical distance that we need. Uh, but because this term needed to get out there to the world so quickly, it's now completely accepted in the, in the society, right? In Switzerland, people speak of social distancing all the time and everyone to the oldest age, from the youngest to the oldest age, everyone knows what it means in the span of a few months. And that's incredible. And this was such an interesting time. And now again with the vaccines, you know, there are, I think there are around 6,000 languages spoken in the world. Uh, that's crazy. And of course, not everyone needs, and not all of these languages needs exact translation of the source into their native language. That's clear. Not everyone, but a lot of them, right? When you put this into perspective and you think that Google Translate, for example, only offers, I think, 108 languages, something a bit more than 100 languages uh, in their software, right? And out of 6,000, that's, that's not so much, which of course causes a huge discrepancy in, in information that's needed but, and what's actually available. And this is where charity work comes in. Millions of translators uh, currently day by day uh, did and still do translate for, for organizations like Translators Without Borders, for example, uh, to get as much information out there to the communities that need them urgently right now. 
uh, both Translators Without Borders and Ericsson actually uh, put out a glossary specifically for COVID-19, which is super interesting. I'm, I'm going to link them both down below. You make sure to check them out. It's very interesting uh, resources there, not only for translators, but for anyone who's interested in languages. I also made use of them personally uh, a lot like last year, mostly last year. Uh, this year it's a bit more calmer, like companies got used to it, to this new way of working. But I remember last year I had so many COVID related texts, right? So many. A lot of companies uh, made videos for, the, for their employees to inform them about new changes, new type of working. And uh, instead of doing emails, they just made videos and I offer a lot of subtitling. I've made a video about that as well. You can click here if you're interested. And yeah, a lot of this was COVID related. Sometimes I even had to just switch off and, you know, take care of my mental health because of course, all around the world spoke about COVID and then also at work, it was all about that. So I had to be a bit careful sometimes. What I need to be really careful about now or anyone in the, in the localization industry is that you need to be aware who you are translating for, right? I do a lot of translations for Germany and for Switzerland and the, the sentiment about the disease and the whole, um, well, the measures about, around the disease are very different in Switzerland and in Germany. Like the sentiment towards the government, towards restrictions, etc. So you really need to be careful who are you translating for. Plus you, are, you need to make sure that you use the official guidelines by the government, right? And the official terms by the government. Like some uh, measures might be called differently in Germany, might be called differently in Switzerland, even though it's both German, right? But you need to make sure, for example, the, the Swiss government uses COVID-19 in, in a, like a normal case spelling. So a capital C and then small the letters. Whereas in Germany, it's all capitalized, which I think is the official one. I'm honestly not sure why Switzerland uses the, the non-case version, but I need to make sure to, to reflect that in my translations as well, right? It, it's important that, it's, that you use the language that the people are, are used to by the media. That's just to make a case for localization, right? Another thing to really pay attention to is what you're actually talking about when referring to the disease or the pandemic. Are you talking about the actual disease, COVID-19? Are you talking about the virus with the very difficult name that you can see here? Are you talking about the effects of the crisis, the pandemic? You know, not everything is COVID-19. Something are just the corona pandemic, something are the crisis, the economic crisis that revolved around it. Make sure to use only this term and it's really about the disease. That's very important. As to the effect, for me personally, as a freelance translator, I talked about this on my channel already. I was very fortunate. I never had any uh, decrease in revenue. Uh, on, on the contrary, actually, I have a lot more work to do. But I think it also correlates with starting this YouTube channel. This also gave my business quite a boost, right? So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a combination, but what I'm lucky enough to have is large end clients that of course they make it through the pandemic, you know, they're not going to go bankrupt because of that. They need to communicate more in these special times, right? So, so I really was very lucky in that sense. I had a lot of work and I still do, never had any, any break, but I, I know a lot of colleagues who have. And uh, a study by CSA Research actually showed that uh, they conducted these studies with 1000 freelance linguists and more than half had a decrease in revenue when the pandemic started, right? So uh, yeah, keep this in mind. So if, if you have currently a low time or if it's hard to get started in these, in these weird times, uh, keep that also in mind, you know, cut yourself a little bit of slack because it's not easy to find 
clients right now. Especially interpreters, our interpreting colleagues have been suffering a lot from that. Uh, remote interpreting is probably one of the biggest <laughs> industries that came up in the last year because it wasn't so popular right, uh, back then, but now it's so, so extremely popular because literally no events can take place. Um, so I've recently had a talk with an interpreter, well, a talk, I've emailed with him online and uh, he said, yeah, it, his, his work changed from 85% in person to 85% online. Uh, and that's a huge shift, right? Luckily, he managed to do it. He was one of the first to switch to remote and he kind of offered it to the clients immediately. You know, he made his own moves. He didn't wait for the clients to go online. Uh, which he says made made the difference for him. Uh, so always be like on the lookout what you can do. Like if a huge economic shift happens, you have to be the first to think of a new way to offer your service, right? And if you can be one of the first, you can make it through. There's a bunch of information about COVID related language stuff out there. The Australian government also has a fantastic website. I, I go there a lot just to, to see, just to look through it. It has a multitude of languages and so much info about, about health, uh, about the healthcare system and the healthcare state, not only about Australia, worldwide. Amazing service that they offer there. I'm going to link it down below, of course, check it out. So yeah, I just wanted to make this short video to kind of um, reflect on, on uh, also a bit of the positives of the pandemic. Being part of a huge global language shift as a translator is amazing. And uh, I really try to appreciate this sometimes. And uh, I had a lot of calls with colleagues, you know, about different new forms of saying this, like uh, suddenly like companies offer new services where you can actually go, uh, you, you order it online and then you go to the shop and they bring it outside to you. Like you don't even go into the shop to, to get your, I don't know, to get your t-shirt or whatever. What do you call this, right? Do you need to find a word for the action of doing this? All these kind of uh, language shifts are amazing to be part of and to actually shape the, the culture of a, a whole country or a whole uh, language community. Thanks so much for watching the video. Make sure to stay safe, uh, more importantly than subscribing this week. Stay safe, uh, keep to the measures, do as much as you can for the, whole, for the greater good, for the community. And uh, I see you next week with a bit of a more lighter topic again. See you then. Bye bye.